The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. back to the Brandon Peters Show. With me today is the beloved and acclaimed writer from The Wrap and star of Entourage and the Batman 25th Anniversary Blu-ray special feature, oh, right. The Birth of the Modern Blockbuster, <laughs> Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. And today, Scott and I continue and conclude the Tim Burton's big retrospective with an epilogue. Tim Burton. Talking about the new Netflix show, Wednesday, which you probably watched a month ago, but... At least once. At least once. Time has passed. We feel comfortable now talking spoilers and whatnot. You believe Wednesday died at the end. Had a month. Yeah, Pugsley's going to be a good series to follow, though. Nevermore was created as a safe haven for our children to learn and to grow, no matter who or what they are. Should we meet your new roommate? Are you feeling okay? You look a little pale. Please excuse Wednesday. She's allergic to color. Oh, wow. What happens to you? I break out into hives and then the flesh peels off my bones. Act as if I don't care if people dislike me. Deep down, I actually enjoy it. There's just something wrong about this place. Not just because it's a school. Secret societies, hidden libraries. A homicidal monster. What other surprises are in store? Uncle Fester. I like to travel incognito. Come on, let's roll! Nevermore continues to be a place where the questions far outweigh the answers. I won't stop until I find the truth. I know the suspense is killing you. Thornhill. I trust Enid has given you the old Nevermore welcome. She's been smothering me with hospitality. I hope to return the favor in her sleep. This, of course, 
Episodes one through four were directed by Tim Burton. Uh, two episodes were done by James Marshall and two by Ganya Montero. And this was created by Alfred Goff and Miles Millar. I think Alfred Goff's a weird name because Michael Goff played Alfred. Yeah, that ben- always threw me when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, just like, um, what was the, Char- was it Charles or... Who's the Nape Alan Napier at the end of the Batman sixty six oh, yeah. series was always like what? Um, this stars Jenna Ortega, Gwendolyn Christie, Ricky Lindholm, Jamie McShane, Hunter Duhan, Percy Hines White, Emma Myers, Joy Sunday, with Christina Ricci, Fred Armisen, Louise Guzman, and Catherine Zeta Jones. This follows Wednesday Adams' years as a student when she attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart and solve the murder or the mystery that embroiled her parents. So, not all Tim Burton. He wanted I I from what I've read, he wanted to direct all eight, but the production schedule wasn't going to allow for it, which is what happens when you drop an entire season in a day can't do those things but reportedly a very involved executive producer so sounds like he didn't walk sounds like he'd be back for a second season maybe they might do it slow enough to let him do the whole season mm-hmm. i mean not to skip ahead but his name on the marquee is a very big reason why a gajillion people watched it in the first week mm-hmm. um, um so <laughs> This show, I described to you, Scott, and he says, perfect. Um, it is like the Adams Family by way of Harry Potter, Riverdale, Veronica Mars, the best show CW ever made. <laughs> yes, it's very much uh, Wednesday Adams and the Enola Holmes of the School for Good and Evil in Riverdale. Yeah, mm-hmm. the chilling adventures of whatever, whatever. Um in ways good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's a sturdy formula. There's a reason it's used a lot. You know, it's Riverdale may end up being one of those shows that basically created a subgenre unto itself. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a diehard of net, you know, streaming shows or whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's obviously there's a lot of Mad Libs plotting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I and I, I will admit I rolled my eyes. At the whole, she has psychic powers now, mm-hmm. and she can do kung fu. I, I think that's an issue with one that might have been started with Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, which is that you're taking these, I, this IP that isn't necessarily an action adventure kind of property, and you're making it just action adventure enough. You know, she's a superhero now. You know, I kind of did that with Disney's live action Mulan to a certain extent, right? And, you know, I could have told you China wouldn't like that, but nobody ever listens to me till after the fact. Um, but um, that being said, I mean, Jenna Ortega is terrific in the title role. Yep. She's the reason the show works, all due respect to everybody else. It may be a very solid match of character and actress, at mm-hmm. least in terms of her, you know, off-screen, on-screen persona. I mean, she's relatively new so it's not like she has the you know a mile miles and miles of films to her credit Mm -hmm. but she does have a certain gothic hot topic winona rider ish vibe you know even before she started making a bunch of horror films like you know scream oh she's uh, having a great year with scream yeah 
you know, she she's in Pearl. Studio six 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 for like ten, oh, I'm sorry, not Pearl, the other one. Yeah, X. that's Mia Goth. Yeah, right. but, yeah. she's in Studio six 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 briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, she was terrific. There's an HBO Max movie. Was it last year? Or is it already? Has it only been a year since the fallout? I don't. I means nothing anymore. A year since um, the fallout. That's kind of funny to say. Even though, <laughs> I think well, no, it's 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 a very obviously it's a very grim film about two young women who uh, witness and survive a school shooting. And their you know emotional turmoil. It's the kind of film that you you know would hope there'd be a home for on streaming and on HBO mm-hmm. Max, but because everyone's got a streaming platform now, you're once again starting to see sort of a push toward the same kind of IP for the sake of IP that's dominating the ecosystem. It's the same thing that that allowed streaming to get a, a foothold on against theatrical in the first place. Mm-hmm. Speaking of IP for the sake of IP, Wednesday mm-hmm. is directed by Tim Burton, starring uh, Jenna Ortega with Christina Ricci in a, in a modest supporting role. Um, this is just the kind of thing that streaming was supposed to be an antidote to. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, in the early 2010, streaming and prestige TV, where they were giving, you know, adult skewing, star-driven, original, non-franchise, niche stuff, movies and shows that weren't expected to, you know, support giant franchises and cinematic universes and, and toyetic content and yada, yada, yada. And now, unfortunately... And I don't necessarily blame Netflix for this because at the end of the day, not everybody had to follow them off the same cliff. You know, you now have, you know, eight or nine major streaming services, all of which are, you know, pumping out their own IP at a desperate bid to be relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, Paramount's got Star Wars and, uh, excuse me, uh, Star Trek <laughs> and, you know, to a certain extent, Yellowstone, which to be fair, started as an original property. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney obviously is live and die by Star Wars and, and uh, Marvel at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Warner Brothers is going all in on, you know, DC and Harry Potter and whatever. And it's, 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 we're back, we're right back to the same shit show we were trying to get away from. That's because that's who's getting involved. That's the studios are now yeah. here. They have their own ser- services and they were banking in theaters with that stuff. And now mm-hmm. they're like, oh, well, that's how we're going to bank our. Our streaming services, but I think everybody's going to have to like Disney's going to have to find something else. They, uh, with in their in Netflix's case, they have a lot of stuff already. Like so, yeah. this is just this is just a thing for them. Um, they aren't loaded with a bunch of IP. Disney's going to be like, well, we they can't run off Star Wars and Marvel forever. At some point, that that runs out of gas. Granted, you can you can branch those off to buy time with like your Andors, your She Hulks. Um, stuff like that. That's actually Good shows those, that those conventionally two, not many people are watching. Those skew uh, so well, not. But it has those statistically those have brought newer audiences to the streaming services, even that's if fair. they aren't bigger. Because there's uh, Ms. Marvel and She Hulk have brought more women audiences to the Marvel uh, things, and the Andor. Good. Andor has brought older audiences to Disney Plus because of that show has skewed more towards the older Star Wars fan that wants something like that. Um, and that's that's what I was just listening to something today talking about how these streaming services and Paramount's ahead of the game here with this. Uh, and so, somewhat Peacock is needs to start 
figuring out because all they're doing is the the 55 and over crowd or the 50 and over crowd are well or is it 45 and over they're getting no one cares about them even though those are the people watching a lot more tv and those are the people you need to figure out who to get next those are the people on the fence about cutting the cord right now because all the stuff they want to see is on the regular television and the cable stuff and you're not replicating it there what you're doing there is giving the reruns of the stuff they're already watching the first run um but yeah netflix they're i don't know they put out so much stuff they try to create original things they just have i think they're just too much stuff and i i look forward to the day they don't they start putting things week to week Um, yeah um because then like your wednesday doesn't have to hit a point where we're going to spend a bunch where we're going to set up where it's a nice little mystery show that has a what seems to be a season long arc that gets touched upon uh where you can have your standalone mytho- and mythology episodes to all of a sudden dump it and rush to the finish for half your season as well. Yeah, which is exactly what this is. I mean, the first mm-hmm. four episodes, coincidentally or not, I don't know. Those are the ones that Burton directed. Right. And those are the ones that even though they're very much about the overriding mystery, what's this big monster that's killing people at the school, they're, each episode feels self-contained and having its own little, almost a mm-hmm. side quest in a skewed way. Right, And it's those side quests that are entertaining and fun and allow the characters to interact and develop. Well, you know, I, the, the you know Wednesday going to the Pilgrim Museum or whatever is far more entertaining than her tracking down another clue. Yeah, and um, I, I you get a lot of more character stuff that isn't just super plot based to enjoy. Yeah. like I talked about, like when you go to what we're doing now and you're hacking down episode orders, which is fine because the British have done it for years, but the British also still are able to. Uh, balance things better with those shorter season episode orders the america seems to be like all plot focused so like i always talk about when lost when it went from 22 episodes to where they do 14 or 15 you no longer get hurley decides to figure out how to make a golf course on the island type episode which doesn't drive the mystery but you learn a little bit more about Hurley. You get to see them actually re- having some sort of fun. You get to see other things rather than just, we're just intense and looking for this all the time. Um, so you lose those episodes when it happens with a lot of people like, bullshit, get to the end, get to the end. Like, I don't know what you enjoy to begin with, but if you really like, oh, I love spending time with these characters, those episodes should be fun too. But, Absolutely. And it's it's it drives me nuts the number of people that complain. And again, this might just be a niche among perpetually online and or institutional sexism, but the people that were bitching and moaning about that one Stranger Things season two. One episode, of my favorite episodes. Yeah, where she goes off and basically <laughs> yeah. joins the X-Men for an episode. She joins like, like is it plot? No, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah it's a it's like yeah, it's the Jean Grey solo story like yeah. I always wanted, and it's like really cool. It, it brings up important dilemmas, yeah. questions. It's a big, self-contained, awesome show that maybe like, hey, we could vi- revisit this down the road. But then like, oh, what? I'm like, <laughs> you got what you got there. And the, the, so Netflix, they typically, and this one's no stranger to that, they will typically in the run, and usually it's right before the finale. It wasn't in Wednesday. They have the flashback episode. They always do. But in Stranger Things Season 2, you didn't get a flashback. You got the side quest 
or yes. Finding Myself episode, which is way better than, well, let's go back right before the finale and show some bullshit flashback that has no repercussion on what's going on now, but you feel like you learned something because you always got to know, where did they come from with this? <laughs> this is, yeah. And then and the, the, the Marvel ones... The, yeah, Mar- yeah. the Marvel ones always had the heroes hurt for an episode one where everybody else does the work. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, sorry. Even something like Riverdale that they have, you know, that's a full length network television show and they have time to have random flashback episodes where all the kids' parents are, you know, when, when they were in school. Mm-hmm. And it's not great television, but it's fun to see all the actors playing characters that are sort of the polar opposite of who they are in the present tense. Yeah. Again, it's it's play acting, but it's fun because if you like these characters and if you like those actors, that should be fun for you to watch. It was either Chuck season two or season three had a fantastic flashback episode uh, where you got a whole new outlook on the... It worked because you got a whole new outlook on certain relations in the show and where it was going with things and stuff. Um and, and that's how it worked. But most of these are just flashback for like, hey, look at this old, this happened thing that you already knew the result of, but now you get to watch it happen or something. This is the Chuck one. I can't remember. It was when he learned, it was a flashback to him in college with his old friend, his roommate, who were on bad terms, but you saw a different side of things with that. And it played toward a future thing as well. Um, I can't remember what season that was, but it was really good. Really good. I remember, I think it, it had an Oasis song at the end of it, I think, really tied it together nicely. But uh, anyways, like Wednesday has that with the parents flashback stuff. Um, Which, to be fair, is not the strongest episode of the season. No, I and, and um, you have talked, you know, I've talked already, Scott, about this, but the adult Adams are the worst mm-hmm. part of the show. And, I mean, and- I love the actors. I mean, there's a hundred thousand things where I would say they're wonderful in, but they are not needed. They are playing a camp arch level that's different from everybody else. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a degree of unreality when they're doing their shtick. It's like they know they're doing a bit yep. while everybody else is playing it relatively straight. Mm-hmm. And the and, and the show you know is cowardly. It, it sets up the idea that you know uh, 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 Gomez Adams is a murderer, which is the Adams family. I you know you can go yeah. with that, but then it like does like 300 Rise of Skywalker, Crimes of Ginderwald, plot twists, <laughs> twists, pretzel reveals, then no, wait, everybody's innocent. Right. right. No, yeah, 100%. Um, what was I going to say? Were, were they both in traffic, right? Uh, I was going to say a traffic reunion. Everyone was in traffic. Everyone That's was in traffic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, them, uh, I don't think Fester is as much of a guilty party as them um, well i think armison is is not vamping as much mm-hmm. i also think he the way that he shows up toward the end of the season it gives her sort of a contrast and a sounding board for character reasons right if i recall the order it's when she's dis- you know she's sort of been cast off by her friends for endangering them and sort right. of you know, going too far in terms of her need to be a non, you know, at what cost? Mm-hmm. And he's sort of an example of, well, this is what I could be if I don't get my shit together. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, he's not overused, uh, but the, the parents like, and that's one of the things that was one of the big selling points of the show was like, oh, that's yeah. fun. That's great. Oh, wow. They made well, There was they, like a hundred thousand preemptive think pieces about how, oh, you know, people that say this is bad or you know, blah, blah. Who cares? Who cares? 
Yeah. And then they're barely in it. It's cameos, basically. Yeah. They get one um, episode. They get yeah. one episode. And that's the worst episode of the entire se- season. I wasn't huge on the pilot. And I think in retrospect, the reason is because they were in a lot of it. They're and in I a lot of it. Enjoying- it's soft and easy, the pilot is. Yeah. Um, and then the second episode, where the pilot, I was like, well, this is feeling like, it's kind of like Harry Potter. And then yeah. the second episode was a remake of Goblet of Fire. Um, yes. So, like that to a T, to even to the oh, yeah. shape shifting teacher. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what in the world? Like, this is really like a really run through, uh, quick version of Goblet of Fire, um, with the games, the mermaid under the ground, under the water yeah. pole. I was like, what in the world? This is crazy. Did somebody put Wednesday's name in the Goblet of Fire. That's yeah, exactly. But it was fun. It was still a good episode. Yeah, but, yeah it's, again, it's, it's, it's a big if knockoff. Get, if you but, get the riffs, great. If not, it's a good episode of television. Right, right. And um, the yeah, the one you talk about where she's working at the pilgrim camp thing. That's that's good stuff. Um, but things, yeah, they they take it serious. So Tim Burton goes up to episode four, um, and then the rest of the way we have a dual directorship. But not just directors; the entire production crew changed. I looked it up. The cinematographer changes the editors the editor changes like everything i think costuming um stays the same and stuff but like and then you can tell like just visually it's different um it's the shots aren't as interesting um cuts differently and the aesthetic is like much crisper um and doesn't really saturate as well as Burton was like, and if you want to call Burton a hack or whatever, but look at his stuff compared to the others. And you, like, I think you're lulled into it with those first four episodes where a general person's probably not going to notice or care, but I could tell instantly he wasn't directing anymore. Like, and I had, that's when I went on a thing. Like I knew he wasn't directing, but I had to look up the entire crew and the entire crew is different uh, for these back for the second half of the season episodes. Which is crazy, but um, they're fine. I mean, it's TV, so I'm not gonna be like super hard on like the talent level and production. Which, which it went from. I'll say this: it went from a television show that looked like movie production quality to a television show that looked like television show quality. Yeah, streaming, yeah. streaming HBO television series. Yeah, quality. Um. And the only reason it gets away with it is because the character work has been compelling enough mm-hmm. that, and to be fair, the writing, even as plot focused as it becomes, does keep the focus on, you know, her and her relationships. Yeah. So there are emotional and character payoffs, even as you're figuring out who, who done it and why. Yeah. And um, the, the difference is like they become very, also become very uh, mystery focused on the main mystery. And then... They do have like, for instance, there's the there's an episode about the dance that isn't about the dance enough compared to what the other episodes have been. I agree, and it's it's funny that that moment has understandably gone viral of its own accord. Mm-hmm. But you know that's really all there is in that scene. Right, right. There would have been uh, more with Wednesday building up to the dance rather than oh, you're going to the dance type thing. Or the other kids mingling mm-hmm. and you know having their first loves and whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, again, you know, not to play, you know, but again, you know, when you're trying to be Harry Potter, you're going to be compared to Harry Potter, you know, the all, a huge chunk of the fourth book did, and the fourth movie did deal with the dance and the melodrama and, mm-hmm. and conflict and, and whatever behind, oh no, it's our first big boy girl dance. Mm-hmm. And as silly as that is when you're an adult, when you, when you're a child, that is more important than who's killing people in school. Yeah. That's something that, that, you know, 
his off-screen transgressions notwithstanding, that Joss Whedon understand, uh, understood. And that was why Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a show was so compelling, which is that he understood that to a teenager, you know, the teenage stuff is more important than the, the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And just like oh. there's there like a Family Guy parody of One Tree Hill one time, it said, high school, nothing else matters, or something like that. <laughs> Uh, and it's like, that's the truth. That's how you have to tell those shows. Like, these are the big problems. But you remember when you're in, like, school, they're, like, it's, that's all you know in life at that point. That's yeah. all life is. And then when you finally, when you get removed from it and you go to college and you're like, well, high school didn't matter at all. And you leave college, you're like, well, college didn't matter at all either. And, like, you you start realizing how life is. And you realize nothing matters. And then you realize nothing matters. Nothing, nothing matters. So you sit here with your friend talking about a Netflix show. On a on a Monday night, recording <laughs> for people to. What have I done with my life? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> exactly. Okay, carry on. So, um, yeah, but uh, nothing. And I, I hate to be boohooing because I generally I enjoyed the show. I had a good time. Yeah, with it's it. it's a solid three star entertainment, mm-hmm. warts and all. Yeah, uh, it just the warts make me cranky because of you know the whole industry macro picture of everything. Right. And I was um, like, and I like, I was liking the first four episodes and being surprised by what they were doing. I was like, wow! And like the first, I think I texted Aaron. I was like, well, it's an actual TV show. And then it it went down the streaming run, but I was still pretty fine with it there. I just I, I was enjoying what they were going for in the first four more than the back. So I would have probably rated a little higher had they continued like the first four. But yeah, still not I, I agree. And you know. This is obviously a pipe dream, but the show is apparently incredibly successful. The first mm-hmm. week they logged the most hours viewed for any American TV show or English language TV show mm-hmm. in the history of Netflix, even bigger than Stranger Things. So theoretically, there's going to be a season two. And I mm-hmm. would like to think that maybe they'll give them 12 episodes this time. That'd and be maybe nice. six of those are just, you know, fuck around and have fun. Yeah, they. I mean, they've got got to lose. They've already got the sets and stuff for things, so that doesn't have to go to the budget of the second season. Um, Unless as long as as they don't go to Hawaii, then they pretty much don't have to. You're right; they don't have to build new sets and shit. Or they aren't tempted to make the parents more involved in the story. Or you know, don't even think it. Don't think it. Don't say it. Or whatever the. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, oh, we haven't even mentioned. Like I was going to say, they're going to go the Harry Potter route of having a new headmaster because Gwendolyn Christie. Oh yeah, um, is in this, um, which she's wonderful, I, and she's the best. I will say adult. to their yeah. credit, they kill a lot of the adults. Yeah, they do. Uh, um, the Gwendolyn Christie, the um, the mayor, the, the mayor, the psychologist. Um, yeah, Ricky Lindholm, the other one from Garfunkel and Oates. Yes, <laughs> yeah, which she's a good. Here's what I liked about her there because it's kind of obvious what's going to happen here, casting wise. But she's there to make it not seem as obvious because you're like, why would they have her here? It's like she disappears a lot. She's not around. You're like, okay, okay, okay. That's that's it. But it ends up being Christina Ricci, um, which no shit, no shit. <laughs> yeah. But Lindholm's there to be a nice red herring for well, maybe and it's and it's her. I think to their the show's credit that their therapy sessions are a little authentic. I mean, there's a certain yeah. realistic push-pull. I mean, it doesn't pull in, you know, it's, they're not mm-hmm. totally standoffish at each other, but they're not going full goodwill hunting at the end. You know, there is right. a certain understandable 
conflict on both sides and there and there's not a ton of therapy sessions that's not what the show is mm-hmm. but you know that that feels like they actually put some thought into that right right yeah that's yeah that's um, definitely true um but yes yeah, I, I still think in, in terms of popcorn television the best therapy sessions in recent history i still think are the or jordana brewster's work on the lethal weapon tv show from a few years back ah i don't know if you ever watched that nope. or not but i mean it's yeah. it's worth your time if you're so inclined okay. I was shocked how much I enjoyed it. I was I, sad. That's what I've heard by a lot of people. It yeah. was better than... Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. It's, um, But that was a show that very much understood that people don't get healed in 45 minutes. Right. right. Um, And speaking of which, the supporting cast, I mean, mm-hmm. Emma Myers is delightful as Wednesday's roommate. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, she starts off as a trope, you know, the super bubbly, happy, whatever, you know, contrast, but very quickly their relationship becomes far more specific. Right. You know, in terms of why they get along, why they don't get along, what they offer each other. Um, um, are her and thing fucking? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I ship it. I mean, uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. And yeah, look out, <laughs> a- Ajax, you're a bum. We're all for team thing here. <laughs> team thing. Oh, the girl, the girl who plays the siren Blair. She's wonderful. Yes. She's quite good. I did see someone. Oh gosh. Babe. Someone tried to pull the whole Tim Burton's uh, major racist again thing, which was like, did you did you finish the show? Yeah, they clearly didn't watch the last. Did well, you, they, did you know, they didn't watch too? all eight episodes. Did you see that too? I did. Where, yeah, I that's like, why I said, like, look, the show's got its issues, and you know, the one Asian character is called Yoko and has no lines. Yeah, that's a trap you should not be falling into in 2022. Right. And yes, it does start with the whole dark-skinned black girl is the bully slash enemy that Sabrina had. To be fair, I didn't. I never got anywhere near the end of Sabrina, so I don't know how that plays out. Yeah. But for this show, by the end of episode five, I would say she's, you know, she's explained and developed and, you know, sympathetic. But also in these kind of things, and like I've seen many black people pointing out, like it's it's like this is the the white person thought about yeah. it because we're allowed to be bullies, we're allowed to have <laughs> problems, we can't be virtuous and perfect ever like all the time. We have a variety of who we are, just like white characters do too. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think but, a lot of I do wonder when I see quote unquote you know I like to call them non diverses you know how much of that is actually the people. Rep, you know, who actually are of that demographic that we're actually right. complaining. Right. That's what I'd like to hear from so we can improve, not... And, you know, I, uh, again, I, I was one of those that thought this is a bit untoward, but it was mostly white people complaining about the jive-talking robots in Transformers uh, Revenge of the Fallen. And it was mostly the you know black people in my comparatively small ecosystem that thought it was funny as hell. So who am I to say otherwise? Right. There you go. True. Uh... Yeah, um, yeah. The kids, the kids are mostly solid, good, fun. Um, though I think the boys are kind of all vanilla, a bit. Yeah, but um, the girls are, um, are fun there. Uh, and the two, the two guys are fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they aren't that different, other than blue collar and white collar. Right. Um, there's two love interests, and even though I would say, you know, regardless of how the show works, oh, we're talking spoilers, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of the fact that the, you know, I think she has a lot more chemistry with the guy that turns out to be the bad guy. Right. Right. You know, for better or worse. And, you know, I think it would have been nice if there was like one brief acknowledgement of that, you know, might actually be a, in the plus column for her when mm-hmm. he's revealed to be a murderous monster. Yes. 
I mean, wouldn't that be, you know, something that might, pardon the expression, turn her on? <laughs> Yeah, but there's whatever. some there's some weird things about like what we have always known about Wednesday that they just can't go full on in on well, because it's, it's, it's a show like I think the her morality just isn't something that you can you know you can only bend that so far right. within the confines of this kind of show. Yeah, she has to there, care at some yeah. point about things. Yeah, you know that there is a certainly a version of this character that finds out that her boyfriend, who she or would be boyfriend, who she seems to quite like, yeah, is a rampaging monster wolf person. It says. Okay, I'm on your team now. Yeah, because we've never had one thing. It's something where Wednesday anchors it. Wednesday's yeah. always a fun side gig that we get a lot. You know, she gets to deliver all the good belly laugh gags as we watch the yes. parents, parents or Uncle Fester go through things. Um, um, but and again, that's that's not necessarily a criticism. That's just a curiosity by the virtue mm-hmm. of again, you're taking this character that isn't a superhero and trying to put her into you know that kind of template and that kind of formula. Yeah. And there will be compromises. Yeah, um, I do. I do think one of the things towards the end too, with the character, like they, you know, she's this awesome detective, or whatever. But like the end falls into a folly of wanting to fake solve it for like the end of like three, the last three episodes almost. And it's like, oh, it's yes. this, but it's not. But it's this, but it's not. But it's this, oh, it's definitely this, and it's not. And it's like. There's two. I'm like, come on, what? Like Wednesday. Like at least there's a through line that she knows exactly how it is, but she has a couple people wrong as to who they are. Yes, uh, and but yeah. No, as I, to the show's credit, I'm sure you, me, and a lot of people watching figured out it was Christina Ricci within the first episode. Yeah, but there's obviously the other reveal at the end of the seventh episode that it's her boyfriend. That's sort of like, oh, okay. Well, it's also this. Yes. There's some added things with it too, yeah. That um, so it does play fair in that sense, because yeah, I mean, it's once you realize that she is there for more than just a cameo, it's like, oh, okay, she's the villain. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. Whatever. She gets to be vampy and evil at the end, and that's great. Yeah, she's having a good um, time. She's it's fun. We don't get her in things a lot, so. Uh, Yellow jackets, I would recommend. Mm-hmm. She plays a quirky. Yeah, I don't want to say too much about that because it is sort of a mystery box show. Gotcha. Better, for better or worse. I have, yeah. I've, I've um, never gotten that. I didn't have Showtime, yeah. so I was. Not. Um, do you have Paramount Plus? Because I think it's on right now. It's I on there now. I don't have Paramount Plus. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I yeah. The start. <laughs> it's funny. I had Paramount Plus uh, early on, but the Star Trek shows uh, were not doing it for me in terms of. Uh, needing to be must see TV, they're like I'll ca- they're more of a, I'll catch up to them when I can, and I get the Blu-rays of them. So um, honestly, there. my you know I subscribe to basically all of them, mm-hmm. and the main reason is that generally speaking, in a month, if there's more than like two movies that I want to watch that are on one of them, then they pay for themselves. Yeah, no, I I get you, I get you. Yeah, so it's either uh, that or pay five bucks for Amazon to rent it. And if I do it two or three times a month. It's a value. Very, very true. Very true. Um, speaking of value, um, let's. I want to go back to Jenna Ortega. Like, I feel <laughs> we have somebody who could be like on the like. What do you put her in to test out her marquee value? And that uh, is, well, it, and that's like, the thing is like that, you know not it's, it's... IP because I feel like I feel like there's a triangle here that made this show a huge hit. You had the Adams family property. You had Tim Burton and you had Jenna Ortega because she yes. seems to have a very, especially with young people, a very big popularity growing. She's had a good year, as we mentioned, with X and Scream 
and now this and this like she's headlining there is no doubt that people are watching Jenna Ortega there's no other star yes. reason to do it I mean with with the caveat that streaming is very different than theaters and et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. yes Jenna Ortega at this point in her career as Wednesday Adams is that kind of star plus character hook like Angelina Jolie as Maleficent or mm-hmm. Tom Hardy as Venom or what you know a hundred you know et cetera right. Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool now does that mean this film would have made a billion dollars this version if you put it make a movie and make you know would have been a bajillion dollar grosser i don't know i mean who knows anymore but on tv when everyone was home for the holiday weekend and Mm -hmm. it was something you could it's a pretty soft pg-13 whatever you know tv 14 or whatever it is i mean i i I, it's you know there's violence there's carnage but it's not anything that your kids can't watch willow was smart waiting a week that's what yeah <laughs> yeah um i'm sure that was better than i expected so far but we'll yeah. see um, um I, but, but i mean do we give jenna ortega like a, a edge of 17 oh. or a book smart to test to see like bankability or you gotta remember book smart bombed yeah i mean that, a- that type of vehicle that like a low risk not expensive yeah, yeah. to see if people go to like could she get butts in theaters that's what i'm wondering uh, she's when i say no it's just because i don't think there's there's very few people that do anymore i mean even, well, even I mean, tom cruise I mean, to the reason i was so somebody. soft on top gun is because i figured you know other than mission impossible he had a very a very specific ceiling right um but is she and building I'm, to be a type that not like your old school gets bust in theaters? But like no, no, no I, someone, I, I, agree, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how you finagle that in the new world, and because I I've, guess you cast her as a you know a character not unlike this mm-hmm. that sort of plays off her you know again her her, 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 her you know, on screen off screen persona because again something like Uncharted was basically Tom Holland is Nathan Drake as Peter Parker with a gun right. I mean, she's kind of got this vibe that's carried through with X and Scream and this, yeah. um, which made when with hers Wednesday is like, well, yeah. But like, I'm just, I feel like we're, uh, I don't know, I feel like we have a clear star potential here um, with her. Whereas I don't know, I've seen that in the most recent years, maybe just because we've been in a pandemic and we're stuck with who we're stuck with. Uh, like, you know, we're not, you know, Tiger King was a star for a moment, but. Yeah, uh, but no, like I, I just, um, I'm just like, hmm. She feels like we should. This is this is this is the biggest flashing light in terms of new face or newer faces. Yeah, people right. And it's just a question of do you play it safe and just let her do some Netflix films that you know people will click play on because they're on their couch or more IPs or put her into an IP and risk pulling a Snake Eyes, which Henry Golding was doing great until Snake Eyes. Yeah. I mean, now I don't want him as James Bond because he sucked in Snake Eyes. With respect. Um, he's, I mean, he's great in basically everything else, but... Hey, Martin Campbell, help him out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, yeah. she's only 20, so I don't know if she's yeah. old enough, even old enough to do that sort of, you know, hardcore action adventure picture type thing. You know, right. The, you know, Kate or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like I, I mean, gunpowder uh, milkshake's its own weird thing. That's that's you know something yeah. like. I mean, you have to be a little bit older for Atomic Blonde. You need some grit, right? Yeah, um, I mean, it's just it's kind of like I don't know. This isn't like I mean, this isn't Jennifer Lawrence already up for Oscars at her age. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's just kind of like man, she's. I feel like she's got a likability. She's got people wanting to watch her. I think people watched this because somewhat because of her yes, being in it. So I did. Yeah, I mean. 
yeah, I would have watched it anyway because it's Tim Burton and, you know, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. the fact that she was in it made me far more interested than if it was somebody I'd never heard of or didn't have who I hadn't seen and liked and other stuff. Right. I didn't I didn't really know her till this year. And then I've seen her in Scream. She was terrific. She was great in X. And then she's fantastic here. So I'm like, all right. And to be fair, I first noticed her in The Babysitter Killer Queen on Netflix. Okay. I mean, I, I'm sure she had done some other stuff before. Let me think what she had done before that. Hold on. Got Wikipedia open anyway. Oh, my God. She was the vice president's daughter in Iron Man 3. Oh. She was the okay. kid in the wheelchair, which was, you know, a brief pan to show why he was doing what he was doing. All right. All right. All right. Um, so, sorry, Marvel. Oh, no, no. It's, it's, it's a blink and you miss it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's not. I don't She's know, already even, in the universe. I don't know if you even back. see her face. It's been a while. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, she, you're right. I mean, really the babysitter Chloe queen was her first big movie because hmm. that was in 2020 and she, she TV wise, she was just doing, okay. To be fair, she was a voice of Ella, Elena and Avalor, which was a Disney channel princess show for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. She basically burst onto the scene, um, in about 2018, 2019 and by 2020, she was in movies. Mm-hmm. And just look, you know, she has a very small filmography, but it's a lot of stuff that has made an impact. She was in You, which was the Lifetime Stalker show that broke out when it went on to right. Netflix. She was in briefly in, I think it was like one or two episodes of Beyond of Our Dark, which is the Disney Channel show that made Olivia Rodrigo sort of some, somewhat of a name. Um, she was one of the voices on Camp Crustaceous, which mm-hmm. is my son's favorite show. Um, I wonder if he knows that it's the same person. Man, whatever, I'll ask him. Oh, she was um, on Young Jane on Jane the Virgin, I guess, for yeah. 30 episodes. So that's, that was. And she's, I'm, she's in Scream 6. I wonder if she'll actually survive. I'm sure they'll, they're cowards and won't, won't kill any of the kids. Um, And yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see what she does next with the obvious caveat that, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know how you build a quote-unquote movie star career and did especially when you're that age and yeah. all due respect you're not a white guy you know the kind of opportunities that will be presented to her yeah i'm just yeah um and yeah maybe she'll get some she'll be the lead in some you know the hunchback of notre dame live action remake or something uh, oh wait Christ. she isn't she isn't in snow white i bet i think she's in no. snow white no well, I mean, she, or no, she's it's not the, the lead. That's, it's, no, no, she's the. It's Rachel Zeigler from West Side yeah, Story. Yeah, that's who it is. That's who it is. Sorry, mixed him up. No, yeah. that's okay. But I mean, I guess she could be Esmeralda by the time yeah. that goes in front of the cameras. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. she's twenty now. She could probably play twenty five pretty convincingly. Yeah. Uh, um. And yeah, I but, would be. I'd be. I'd be. I'd be banking on her if I was making things. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, in terms of. Lead. And I, I think to a certain extent, you know, newfangled stardom, because there's so little in terms of butts and seats anymore, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of, is this person a good actor, a compelling screen presence, and makes your movie or TV show better? I think she checks the boxes. Oh, God, um, absolutely. Easily. She's the reason this works. Yeah. I mean, I have 100,000 nitpicks and whiny complaints and yada, 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 but I kept watching because I liked her performance. And she's in damn near every scene of this she really eight-episode eight thing, too. <laughs> this is Hugh Laurie in the house type commitment. Yeah. She is, like, there's um, barely a moment where she's not there. Like, she's, and, a, she's the whole thing, yeah. But yeah, I, I think overall, the show, 
goes into what you know. It, it's kind of an appropriate corner, you know, epilogue to this entire podcast because what have we been talking about since day one? Which is that the idea that Tim Burton's you know signature gimmicks and tropes and themes and mm-hmm. all that have become entirely what's the term? Bullet uh, and you appropriated okay. by Hollywood at large. Right. So something like this kind of feels a little generic and feels a little assembly line, but that's only because the stuff that Tim was new and interesting when Tim Burton was doing it in the eighties and nineties are now par for the course. Right. 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 Yeah. And there is a part of me that you know was almost sad that this is what he's doing with his time, yada yada yada. But a, I mean, he did. You know, he's probably getting paid a lot of money, and he clearly didn't phone it in. Mm-hmm. And this is his most successful project since Alice in Wonderland by default. Right. And, you know, if Netflix comes to him and say, thanks, you can make another big fish, then then it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. He could do both. Um, Because, I mean, yeah. Maybe hands the keys off for season two and does the executive producing, helps with the writing and stuff. Uh, But we got Jill Schumacher joke, but he died three years ago. Yeah, Two years ago. <laughs> well, I meant that so he could go make that big fish. No, no, I mean I think it's about directing a, a television. Joel Schumacher take over the show, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Um, hey, the production design would kick ass. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, he'd be um, all about Enid. So that's where he. Yeah. Would, that's where he would be. Well, that's the thing is, you know, my my nitpicks aside, I would happily watch another season of this. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm I there. like the characters. I like the kids. I like the kids. Which we all and assume is going to happen, dead, but so it's fine. they have not officially announced it, right? I've seen I, people sharing something, but they, I'm like, you're right. They have not officially. They have of, not officially as announced of December fifth, two thousand twenty-two. They have not officially announced a second season. Yeah. They usually wait till like the first twenty-eight days when it's more touch and go. Mm-hmm. But. You know, unless there's a giant drop when the when the numbers, you know, the Netflix numbers are released tomorrow afternoon, right? And I'd be shocked just because it's the kind of show that people, a, you know, people will watch it more than once. It's a very, it's very. It's only eight, food. so it's easily to go. Easy yeah, to go it's, back. It's, and they were clocking in at like forty-five minutes, I think. The first episode was about an hour. Yeah, but the rest were over under fifty minutes. Yeah, and that's 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 solid for a drama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I can't imagine this doesn't get a second season. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I can't imagine it doesn't get a third because I I don't think it's the kind of show that's going to have a huge drop off in season two. Right. Just because it's people, most people who are watching it seem to be enjoying it. Yeah. And because it's a formula, a time tested television formula, mm-hmm. the second season is probably going to give people what they liked about the first season. Yep. Now it might get canceled after season three when they dare to ask for more money, but I digress. Um, <laughs> maybe Liam right. Neeson will take, or Liam Emsworth will take over. Ah. Um, <laughs> that would have been funny if I got it right on the first time. Oh. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Henry Cavill is like, "Oh shit, can I be James Bond?" Yep. Oh, we saw Man from Uncle. We're good. <laughs> I, I like Superman. that movie, I but don't got Witcher. Yep. Yeah. I'll be James Bond, please. Hey, well, you want to be one time, right? <laughs> that one time? Uh, no, they didn't. That was, well, I don't know. Uh, A.K. Wells between him. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. I was thinking of Man from yeah. Uncle, which I like the movie, but nobody showed no, up. Yeah, Man from Uncle is fun. Yeah. It's, it's a fun movie. Um, the guy that eats people and Henry Cavill. <laughs> um, 
that's the terrible joke that I have to make now. Whenever you're watching the Lone Ranger, like was when they were on the set, was uh, was uh, Army Hammer jealous of William Fincher? <laughs> um. <laughs> oh my, yeah. I wanted to watch Call Me by Your Name recently again. I'm like, yeah, you know what's so funny? It's like we were told forever this guy was the next big thing, something special, and no one cared. And then he finally showed us what he had. He was really good, and uh, then the thing. So, like, well, <laughs> He's, he was one of those guys that was anointed the next big thing with nothing to show for it. Yep. And he did the thing that, and this is, you know, where he tried to spin it as boo hoo. I'm tired of Hollywood. I want to be an indie actor now. And when they do that, the press always falls for it because it makes for a good story. You know, Taylor Kitsch, you know, again, I don't blame the actors because it's their careers, their livelihoods. But at some point, the media at large has to stop falling for this shit. Yeah. You know, it's not some great awakening all. They don't want to play in the blockbuster system anymore. So what you're it's, saying I fell for it and call me by your name? <laughs> I thought he was really good in that. But... Oh, he's always a good actor. Yeah. I just mean in terms of the course of his career. Yes. You know, if people, you know, if, if the Lone Ranger had made $500 million, he'd still be making movies like that. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if, and this is, you know, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is a very, or get what it was mispronounced. Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Thank you. I think he's a very good actor. He has interesting taste. And there was a run where he was doing some really interesting projects, but I think a Prince of Persia actually makes money. Then he just keeps doing movies like that. Well, you had the day after tomorrow, which I was one yeah. step on that ledge. And then, yeah. Um, well, I think what yeah. happened to him was he was. He was possibly going to be Spider Man in Spider Man Two, but then oh yeah, yeah, that probably burnt. And I think he because we didn't get that, he was doing more interesting stuff. And yeah, he uh, he was having the DiCaprio run, but nobody was like it wasn't like he couldn't get the. He was having his receipts. DiCaprio run in terms of doing interesting George Clooney type projects mm -hmm. where they aren't huge hits, but they're cheap enough that they don't have to be right. Um, you know, films like Nightcrawler and Source Code and, and yep. Stronger. And it was sort of right at the end of when the theatrical marketplace would actually sustain that kind of thing. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, in 2014, Nightcrawler does like $32 million. We're like, oh, that's cool. Good. Yeah. You know, today, that'd be you a got shafted miracle. at the fucking Oscars. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a goddamn decade. Yeah. Oh, my God, the movie's um, great. But today, I mean, a movie like Nightcrawler digging 32 domestic would be a miracle. Yep. Um. COVID or not, because that was, you know, those problems were in, long before COVID. Anyway, I'm getting way off track here. And I Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Good show. Pretty decent. Pretty I have some decent. issues with it, but watch it anyway. Yeah, good show. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, as far as the Tim Burton-ness of it all, yeah, it is. it does feel like a skewed, weird, full circle moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Adams Family was probably the first movie after Batman to understand why Batman was a hit. Mm -hmm. And to be a very big movie because of that, the idea is that you were taking these known and popular IP that weren't necessarily movies and making them into a big and Polish movie and making it an event because it's a movie. It's an event. It's an event by virtue of being a movie, mm -hmm. which unfortunately is something that I think Hollywood has lost over the last several years. Some of that's its fault. Some of it's not where you have these IP cashins where it's not an event because it's a movie. It's a movie because it was an event somewhere else. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, it's, it's obvious that, you know, he was offered a chance to direct Adam's family. He decided not to do it. Barry Sonnenfeld, who's very talented in his own right, basically owes his entire career to being not Tim Burton. Right. Um, right. I mean, that's, you know, Adam's family, men in black, et cetera, et cetera. Again, that's not necessarily a criticism. Um, men in black, his Mars attacks. Yes. <laughs> uh, Wild Wild West would probably be his Mars attacks. Oh, there you go. Very a film good. that I don't hate, but nonetheless. Gotcha. Um, and but yeah, so this feels like a weird full circle moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if again Tim Burton is sixty four years old, I have no idea what he's going to do with the rest of his life, and I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, this should be his final project." Blah blah blah. But if he does retire, and this is as good a you know, it's yep. a good as good a victory lap as anything. Go play video games um, with John Carpenter. <laughs> I'd watch that reality show. Definitely, definitely. And I don't watch reality TV, but I would totally watch that reality show. I wanted to see imper- the John Carpenter and Nick Cage did a sit down interview oh, with God. each other, and it's only on like paper form. But I was like, oh, oh that's a loss. I would have killed to see the video of that. And it's great though. It's if you seek it out, it is a wonderful read. Um, but they've never done a movie together. But they sat together, and Nicolas Cage is just enamored with John Carpenter's stuff as as Martin Scorsese has been recently um <laughs> well Cage you know Cage was always an exceptional performer he was always an exceptional actor mm-hmm. and he's a classic example and I know we've talked about this a lot sometimes in relation to Burton which is that the the more critically acclaimed one for me movies don't get a huge audience while yep. the you know the 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 IP franchise whatever's get the most attention and then you get accused of being a sellout. Right, you exactly. Know, when, when no one pays attention to, you know, a bad lieutenant port of Call Orleans or adaptation or Lord of War, but everybody notices Ghost Rider and Next and National Treasure, then that's the reputation you get. Mm-hmm. And even during his VOD era, he was doing a one for me, a genuinely good, interesting, compelling movie every few years, maybe more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to go down and list everything he did, but there was a Joe, there was a mom and dad, there was a color out of uh, color out of uh, shit, color out of space, um, and a pig, obviously. You know, th- more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that'll be in our uh, crazy about cage retrospective. Down, the you road. know, I'm game. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it might take twelve years, yeah, but yeah, we get to that point in like the 2010s. Yeah, it'll be. Like, uh, I'll be like, <laughs> you to, like going off, you know, Tom Hanks going off the island to lose all that weight for Castaway. After eight months, we're finally moving on to his 2012, um, <laughs> 2011. Uh, but, finally, yeah. it's time to talk about Ghost Rider's Spirit of Vengeance. Yes. Oh my! But yeah, so that that's pretty much it for uh, Tim Burton here for now. Um, I yeah, I had a lot of fun doing oh, of this course. going back I always have fun doing with Steve. Yeah. And as far as final summations, I mean he's film school in a box for an entire generation of people. Yeah. You know, he was uh, uh, I Darren Mooney, a columnist who I quite enjoy. He writes for the Escapist. He referred to him as uh baby's first auteur. I like that. Yeah. I and I um, I still argue the guy still has it. Uh, I think yeah. he still delivers more regularly than not and I think even the the films that don't quite connect still are better directed than majority of what you'll see come out. They look big. They look like movies. That's a stupid thing to say, but we get a lot of 
people people know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. But like, yeah, I I really like his look, his aesthetic, and there's more than just the stylistic tones. I can tell in the way he uh, sets up structure, shot, move the camera that he is behind it as well, and picking up on some of that going through it all in a row. Where I'm just like, he's there's some kinds of shots with two people in them that I can tell how he likes to film it. Uh, that comes up over and over, but. Yeah, and you know, I I hope I'm mean, again. I'm expecting this to get a second season. Mm-hmm. I hope we get more episodes. Yep, and I think there is value to be mined in terms of her theoretically being in a relationship, whatever the hell that would look like, mm-hmm. and the idea of you know what does it look like when she's no longer the outcast at the, at the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was an interesting thing that like they didn't really go for here because they. They went for she's in a school of outcasts and she's the outcast of the outcasts instead of who is Wednesday Adams when she's no longer the outcast. That could have been yeah. the question they went with here, but they and, went with outcast of the outcasts. And I'll be honest, you know, when the show was first announced and the previews is like, this is about a fish out of water and putting her back into the water. Yeah. But they got away with it. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. But I was like, when they first pulled in, I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be like, how does. She- because she probably always saw herself as different and special, but what happens when she's no longer different and special? But that's yeah. not what they went with here. Well, they kind of um, cheated. Yeah, they kind of. Yeah, it's like, hey, look at this weird school of normal people. We have, we have Gryffindor and Slytherin and all the, you know. But um, yeah. and again, that's that's sort of in the back of my mind. Why, while I enjoyed the show and I'm I'm fine with the success, there were elements that made me cranky, and or that was one of them. The fact that they basically cheated. Yeah. That they they ignored the core, a very core element of her character, which is that she is a quote unquote freak trying to fit in with normal people. Well, when you throw her in with a bunch of freaks, there should be a different dynamic there. Right. But there really isn't. Yeah. She's opening up to it. Maybe that's yeah. it. I don't know. But we'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll see. In the inevitable season two of Wednesday. <laughs> but Scott, uh, that that wraps us here, and you will be returning for the summer of ninety-three at thirty, which We'll be talking soon, but people won't get to hear it until May of 2023. But uh, Sliver Hive, reunite. Sliver time. Oh, yeah. There's there's five of us. Uh, Falling in love. Oh, wait. That was a decent proposal. Why did I go with that for Sliver? That was a decent proposal on this song. Oh, Okay. What was the Elvis song that was used for Sliver then? Uh, Hold on, you're gonna make me look this up. Because yes, because it had UB40 doing. Can't help. I could have sworn that was Sliver too. Hold on a second. Oh, maybe they did. Sliver. As we, yeah, the great search portion of the uh, the podcast. It's really important shit here. We're doing. Yeah, can't help falling in love. UB40. Sliver. Was it? Oh, I thought they did. Okay. Let me see if Indecent Proposal had a different one. Okay. I. I mean, that was just a couple months earlier, so that was an early night. Oh, you know what? Indecent yeah. proposal used it in the trailer. I think that's where I think that's where I'm getting it. So yeah, we'll be talking about all the great films from summer in 1993, like Sliver and Milk Money and uh, Last Action Hero. My favorite, uh, the biggest dinosaur movie of all time, Carnosaur. Are we going to yeah. actually do a bit on Carnosaur? Oh yeah, that's week two or week three. Oh, you're kidding me! That actually got into theaters. Awesome. Oh yeah, it played in theaters. It opened yes. before Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. it was the Sword and the Sorcerer, R.I.P. Albert Pune. Um, of it its was day. that Patrick Bergen Robin Hood movie of summer '93. Yes, 
There you go. <laughs> so we'll be back with that. Looking forward to it. Um, but Scott, in the meantime, uh, let people know what's going on with you and the rap. Uh, I'm finishing. I just finished my first month of the rap. As far as I know, everything's going fine. Um, obviously, it's a huge adjustment. Yada, yada, yada. But so far, so good. All right. That's good to hear. Uh, that'll do it here. Uh, for me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD, written work at YSOBlue.com. Um, I'm, I'm going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks from the show, uh, getting things set for summer 93 or 40, and another uh, series that's going to run up until then. But uh, it, in the meantime, you'll be listening to some um, vintage out now commentaries from the past couple of months that have not aired here yet. So enjoy those. I think Scott may appear on one of them. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Uh, but until then, enjoy the new year and stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.